No music? No background music? <laughs> Welcome to Farming God, where we tell stories and talk to the people of America's spiritual revolution, while at the same time fulfilling every guest's dream of becoming a rapper. Kate Johnson grew up in Oklahoma in a pretty rigid Christian setting. In college, she entered the nonprofit world to pursue a calling to help others. After a two-year fast and a variety of missionary work, her Christian conviction became a little less certain. Kate's now involved in a host of creative ventures, but maybe more valuable than her creative ability is her willingness to engage tough questions. And that is where this interview begins. We'll hit on ideas like deconstruction. If you're not familiar with it, or if this idea piques your interest, I wrote an article and provided some resources at farminggod.org. I've linked to it in the show notes. Here's Kate Johnson, the deconstructionist. I'd like to start with a story. <laughs> when I was working at my former employer, your current employer, uh, you, you kind of just were like fading along in the background for when you started. I'd already been there for a while. And then one day during lunch, I think it must have been hot out, and I came in, and we were all eating lunch. And I was talking with one of our other fellow employees about some sort of Christian ideals or ideas and I went off on some sort of rant about uh, nihilism and minimalism and materialism and I ended up standing up and stomping around and doing some pretty ridiculous <laughs> gestures and everyone <laughs> looked down at their plates and maybe like smiled courteously but you actually engaged my rant and asked me a question about it. I don't remember what the question was, but it, it and that was kind of the beginning of these conversations that mm -hmm. that ensued. So while working there, we never really had a chance. I mean, like we're trying to talk about these ideas in a workplace setting, which is strange and weird, and it almost feels like illegal and so like breaking the law yeah yeah so now it's just you and me in a warehouse <laughs> <laughs> with some topo chico and two microphones <laughs> so i want to i want to like i'd like to just rewind to the the beginning and I, I feel like i just know these weird bits and pieces that have been pulled out in different points so mm -hmm. tell me about your christian upbringing because it was christian wasn't it mm -hmm. yeah so i'm sure i'll go in a lot of circles um but where it all started so when i was i grew up in um first edmond oklahoma and that's it's just a suburbia town i'm really pretty i'm a lot of good people um there's churches on every corner um and so I grew up, people inviting me to church. I grew up in the Catholic church. Um, 
and then really in middle school that's where it kicked up it was the cool thing to go to church and to be a part of the youth group and I wanted to be cool and popular so that's what I did that's what my friends did so that's what we did and it was um also in the midst like I had always have have had this innate fear that I was going to hell I've had nightmares, and I still can recall the nightmares that I've had when I was young, too. I really don't have them anymore. Um, But, so yeah, I accepted Christ or had that conversion experience when I was in middle school. And there are a lot of things that go in and out of it. Um, My mom had been sick for a long time, and then my dad had kind of checked out uh, mentally and emotionally, I think because of work and a lot of other things. But it all came to, that was my way of like coping and dealing with things. So I really threw myself in full throttle. Um, yeah, there, there's the podcast music you were waiting for. <laughs> See, it's a real podcast. <laughs> That's so good. Um, so thanks for the music. I really liked that. <laughs> Nicely timed, too. (laughs) Someone's editing really well. Um, Live editing. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, all through high school, again, it was still the cool thing to go to church or within the group I was in. It was, and that's how I identified myself. My mom always like harped on my reputation and made sure I was perfect or whatever. And so that just like fed into that. Um, And then as I grew up, went to college, again, being Christian or Um, following Jesus and being this perfect person in my mind and again this was how I coped with things like with my mom's death from high school went to YWAM was a worship leader was in a prayer room for a really long time what's what's YWAM YWAM do you not know what YWAM is no oh I thought you did anyways for you listeners out there YWAM is called you it's called Youth with a Mission and there are a lot of missionary bases within the United States and um around the globe and they've done some phenomenal work but it is Christian based not but um it is Christian based um Christian philosophy Jesus um again they've done some amazing work so I really threw myself into that when I was in college for 6 months I lived in Hawaii and Amsterdam Jesus did a lot of work with um, nonprofits and other religious organizations in the red light district. And again, that kind of just fed into my obsession with this God and trying to cleanse me or trying to make me feel like I was good enough or that I wasn't going to hell. Um, so oh. at one point after I came back, like it broke and it's, I've been deconstru- deconstructing since um, or like relearning everything. Whoa. So that was a lot. I tried to like do no, that was, some good some covered, good touches, but you covered quite a span. Mm-hmm. What happens in these uh wham fests? Why why wham? Wham why wham? <laughs> why what, wham? What ha- what what happens? You said it's like missionary work in yeah. Amsterdam. Yeah, so when you go to your DTS or like discipleship training school you go for three months and discipleship training school. So like that's the words like for Jesus's disciples. Like, yeah. So that's where it was rooted, so I guess. You, so you're, did they go to discipleship training where they certified Jesus's disciples? Right. 
wondering did they did no they, go, they didn't is there i mean is there anything about some things they learned in the bible no. you, you, you know way more christian stuff than me no i'm just kind of like pop culture christian but they were just chosen okay not on any like <laughs> preconceived notion or idea like he just chose them okay so how like how is your perception of it what what do you think of the experience um so one side, the experience was great because it tested my own like personal faith and how I was able to press the bounds of like raising money. Oh my gosh, I raised over $12,000 in one month. And that was insane to me being 19 years old. Um, and then traveling as well. Traveling, living outside of the U.S. at age 19. Um, living in Amsterdam, the red light district. Um, so culturally, it expanded a lot of things in my mind. But I was also still in the Christian culture. So I was, um, it was all coming through a different lens or a different vantage point from if someone was just obviously going to Hawaii and live or going to Amsterdam and live. So back to the discipleship training school, that's done for three months. Um, you have a lot of different speakers coming in. And talking about different things, um, all based in the Bible, the school I specifically went to, it was rooted back to like the prayer room movement or like worshiping and then going out and making disciples um, or spreading the love of Jesus. Um, So we would spend like a few hours in the prayer room a day, um, easy, and then I would probably go in more because I was that obsessed bonus points right exactly so i would probably spend like up to five hours or more a day in a prayer room um doing doing what exactly praying worshiping reading my bible journaling when you say praying (laughs) there it is when you say praying kate what do you mean um i mean praying in tongues praying to myself praying out loud A lot of times we would have corporate prayer sessions. I haven't thought about this in ages, looking back now. We would have corporate prayer sessions. It was really cool, really inspiring. It was super motivational. We would have a topic, any topic, or say something happened in the world that day or like some environmental catastrophe. Um, We would just pray for an hour over these people or over the land or over what have you. So... With the corporate prayer gatherings, those were, it was just a lot of people praying. And so we're just, we still haven't gone into, I, I don't understand, like, what praying, what what do you mean? You're, you're saying, like, types of praying, mm-hmm. but, like, what is what is praying? What was praying to, to the group? Praying to the group was talking out loud, Uh-oh. making declarations to Jesus, to God, asking Holy Spirit to move. Um... So if there's five people in a prayer room, they're mm-hmm. all talking out loud different things? They can be, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Whoa. Um, if it was... If the setting for that moment was asked for everyone to pray out loud. If uh, I like went up to the microphone, I was like, okay, guys, we're going to pray out loud about this, that, and the other. Ready, go. Um, you can do that. Or you can have like everyone be silent and pray into a, like someone verbally speaking into a microphone. Um, speaking life over whatever it is you're talking about or reading from the Bible. A lot of people did that as well. Uh, was 
any sort of meditation was that lumped in the praying or yeah that would be like a type of prayer is meditation um but not like today i meditate and the way i meditate today is nowhere near what i did then why what what changed i think that like again the mindset i was in was striving and like trying to be perfect and trying to be holy or my perception of what holy was um, or what perfection was. So it was um, praying was or meditating was work for me. Today, it's literally me just being aware or not being aware or just being silent and listening to my breath. Yeah, cool. So so we got to today mm-hmm. and then we were we got we, we covered YWAM and we got to today. Mm-hmm. But I think something happened in between there. Mm-hmm. Like there's I don't know. I'm guessing that your your departure from the YWAM is a bit different than most of your other cohorts, or mm-hmm. or maybe I'm assuming. I think so. Yeah, pa- the majority. You, your path has changed from then, mm-hmm. and you kind of threw out this word deconstructing somewhere mm-hmm. in there, and I know that's kind of a pop word right oh, now, yeah. and you're up on your trends, mm-hmm. your progressive Christian trends. <laughs> so what? What's going on? How did how did this where where did this jump come from? So when I left YWAM in 2012, I was fasting. I did a two year Nazarite fast. Um, <laughs> what I felt God was leading me to. Can you explain what yeah. that means? So I felt from the I will I'm a little dusty on this because I haven't read the Bible in a while. Um. But what the Nazarites did at the time, like in the Bible times, they um, would fast from like um, meats, alcohol, anything unclean. You wouldn't, you couldn't cut your hair. Um, there were certain things or restrictions because you were um, fasting for a certain reason or purpose. God was supposed to give you an answer to something. Um, so I felt God w- was leading me to do this to your Nazarite fast. So that's what I did about a year and a half in, I met this guy and one of my things. So my fast was what I felt God was saying, no meat, no cheese or no dairy, um, no sweets, sugar, no alcohol, no coffee or caffeine. Um, so basically I was in college, so I really didn't know. And now I know this is sugar, but I just ate pasta a lot, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which is hilarious. And then um, I drank decaf lattes all the time, soy. Um, I would do sugar-free syrups with, what's that sweetener, the sugar in it? It's bad for you. Or would they say it's bad for you? Uh, Splenda. Splendid. Splendid? Whatever that. Uh, aspartame. Oh. <laughs> That's it. Aspartame. So anyways, I would do all these things and I would try to make tricks of like how to like substitute whatever I was missing out on. How, how'd you feel? Like bodily, healthy, physically? I felt fine. Yeah. Which is hilarious. I told you earlier, I'm now doing Meatless May, which I haven't done like anything like this in four years. So it's hilarious. You're coming back to it. I'm going back to it, which I feel great. I've, I had meat today. This May. I know. I made an exception. I went to a really good Vietnamese <laughs> restaurant. I was like, I, I can't do no chicken. Because um, I don't like tofu. 
So okay. okay anyways, so back to two years of two years of fasting. Two years. So a year and a half in. So part of that was no dating. That was what I was fasting Naturally. as well. Yeah. Duh. So I went to. I met this guy, and he was from England, and. He was completely opposite of me. He like smoked, drank, cussed like a sailor, wasn't practicing any faith at the time. And somehow we connected. And that really started the undoing, I think, of my, of everything. Um, Obviously, him and I, we didn't work out. Um, But he was a safe space for me to begin to process, I think, what I was trying to do, like the denial I was in and how I was trying to heal myself or trying to fix myself instead of accepting myself as is. Um, so that was really the be- like the domino effect of it all. That was in 2011, 2012. Yeah. Okay, so you're at the you're fasting and then you meet the guy mm-hmm. and you're on the dating fast too, so you can't yeah. start I'm dating. I'm like, oh no, I can't date you, but I'm talking to him every day for like four hours on <laughs> Skype. Or- <laughs> FaceTime wasn't even a thing, I don't think. So did you finish the two-year no. thing? So I I think it was in December or January. So I was a year and a half in or a little over. And I just gave up. I gave up by going and getting wasted. Out on, in, in Amsterdam? No. <laughs> in Stillwater, where I went to school. Stillwater, Oklahoma? Uh-huh. Stillwater, Oklahoma. The bar. The strip of bars. I went, went down. I walked with a friend and I was like, I'm tired of this. I don't know what I'm doing. And I got drunk. And the next morning I had a Spanish exam <laughs> and I failed. <laughs> and that's when it all began. That's when it all began. I texted one of my good friends and I was like, Kelly, I did something stupid. And she walked me through it. And continuously, she's still walking me through a lot of my stuff, being a good friend. And um, she was like, well, girl, just let it go. If you don't want to do your fast, don't do it. So we hear about, I hear about, you hear about these kind of progressive Christian movements like deconstruction. And like we just said, it's kind of like these pop phrases happening. Mm-hmm. That, And it, I mean, once you kind of told me at least bits and pieces of this story, it, it started to like make sense what it really looked like. Because for me, I, I grew up kind of like lukewarm Catholic. Mm-hmm. So... I didn't have that much um, to, to like work through. It was like, I mean, of course it's like a continual process and I'm by no means some sort of enlightened person and have a lot of shit to still keep digging through. But at least in a religious context, I didn't have that much, many bad experiences to break down. Mm -hmm. Once you got drunk, started dating the guy, um, like where, where do you look for, where do you go from there? I think I turned to, like I said, my friend Kelly and my friend Chelsea. Those were the two closest people that I knew that were safe spaces to process this stuff with. Um, they were still practicing their faiths. Um, or not still, like they're practicing their faiths. and But they were open to me and to like what I had to say. And again, they were just a safe space. So that's where I started. Um, I started listening to, um, and still to this day, he's one of the safest spaces is Rob Bell. I started listening to his stuff because I knew he wasn't accepted by the church and I wanted to know why. And at the time I was, I judged him for everything he said. And then 
I became obsessed with his work. Um, and then I started going to therapy on and off. So that's really where, where it all started, I guess. I was going to move to – one of the things I was wanting to do is I was wanting to move to England. I was wanting to travel and do all these things. I decided to stay in Oklahoma, which now I realize that was probably a good choice. Um, but I think I just started listening to myself and my heart and what it was saying and trusting myself and not defaulting to the structure that I think I had. Instead of like alcohol or drugs being my addiction, religion was – what I yielded to, like obsessively yielded to. Um, So I just started trusting myself. I stopped going to church. Um, And again, like I step into a church today and it makes my heart hurt because I, I put myself through everything. Not saying like the teachings are bad or like Jesus is not the way, but it was myself that I put my, like I put myself through all that trauma of the church. And I'm sure people had something to do with it. I don't think I've crossed that bridge yet. (laughs) Um, which bridge is that of um i think i'm owning what i put myself through when i went through like holding on to religion and jesus and um i guess weaning myself off of him or weaning myself off of spirituality in a sense in that frame of reference um so anyways a part of that was i think i sidetracked um just listening to myself, trusting myself, pulling my friends in close, going to therapy. Um, and then realizing, I guess this is the point I'm trying to make, like not blaming the people I went to church with or these groups of people that I ran with it had nothing, to, really has nothing to do with them. It has more to do with like culture and I think how humanity works and how we operate and how we try to bring comfort to ourselves. And so, and again, like not blaming the people around me, but owning what I did to myself. So we, so when the the archetypal person going through this deconstruction thing um, breaks away, like even people who I guess who didn't have some sort of extreme religious upbringing, mm-hmm. the, the millennials are the the emerging generation is moving towards the non affiliated mm-hmm. genre of Christianity or of religion. Mm-hmm probably faster than any other sect yeah so so that of course like brings with it uh loneliness or lack Mm -hmm. of structure community (laughs) yeah a lack of the ability to feel smaller about things Mm -hmm. and sometimes when you're the center of the world you can begin to take things a bit too serious oh yeah like that's one thing i realized being in all the like the people i ran with i was like essentially being prophesied over all the time, all these like gifts I have inside of me and all this stuff. It's like my ego started building. And I was like, I'm not, I'm the answer to the world, but that's essentially how it felt. Wait, it within Christianity? Yeah. When you were deep in it? Yeah. Oh, it made you feel central. Yeah. It really? made me feel like I was the center of the world. Oh. Which is weird. I've never actually vocalized that before. Yeah. So that's cool. <laughs> well, that no, that's good to know. Yeah. Because this is kind of like one of my uh, kind of curiosities with the departure from religion or as like as the traditional church kind of collapses in front of our eyes. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, it just kind of goes with the millennial, at least the people I hang out with, the millennial, liberal, mm-hmm. individualistic 
mindset mm -hmm. of my me is me i'm unique mm -hmm. i'm independent i'm free to do mm -hmm. what i want mm -hmm. and the parts of religion that i saw at least from the kind of disengaged uh, side were was cool and that it made you feel like there was a narrative that could you could reach in and pull pieces out of mm -hmm. and that took you along the journey with like you were following a journey that had already been taken before mm -hmm. i think there's a mix of that and then the mix of like um, I think the hype maybe that comes with being like a groupie or the uh -huh. hype of like being a part of a movement, uh -huh. any sort of movement, and it gives you identity and it gives you your self-worth. And that's something I realized, like I never really fit into a lot of these groups too. So I was really striving hard, trying to fit in all the time. And that's one thing when I realized like, oh, this is actually not working. <laughs> Yeah. I'm more stressed out, even though, again, like being prophetically like spoken over all these things. I think a lot of it was true. But again, it just like really fed my ego for myself. I'm speaking for myself. Yeah. It fed my ego and like I was the center of the world. <laughs> you know, like I don't know how else to like say it. Uh, there's no way to like buffer that. But. So where, I don't know, where... I know I can see in this area, this like, and the conversation happening within. Uh, I do you call yourself a Christian? No, um, I was actually talking to someone about this the other day. Um, when people ask, like, how am I doing with God, or how's my relationship with God, my friend encouraged me just to say, like, we're great, like we're doing great. How are you and God? You know, like gently saying like bye like it doesn't matter how i'm doing with god or not doing but i would say i'm more how i identify now is i'm spiritual um but again like we were saying earlier making things simple for people saying i'm spiritual does not simplify I mean, it means <laughs> they're like what uh, it means like nothing and everything yeah yeah completely so but even today like there are times I wake up praying in tongues. There are times when I like realize when I'm going to sleep or waking up, I'm praying to Jesus. I don't even realize I'm doing it. And that's where I'm like, Whoa. this is like really in my head. <laughs> like subconsciously, this is on like a whole other level. Mm -hmm. Whether there's validity and it's real and it's all true or whatever. Um, I think a lot of it is like, that's what I did for 20 something years. So, of course, it's going to manifest in some way. But Obviously, you're, you're good at asking questions because like that first story that I talked about when you engaged me on my ridiculous rant in mm -hmm. a workplace probably was grounds for some sort of Dismissal. corporate punishment. <laughs> <laughs> um, what sort of questions, as you deconstruct like your foundational worldview mm -hmm. what sort of questions do you begin to like think about or consider one of the first questions i think i ask myself is what if jesus is not real or like what if not that he's not real but what if he's not the answer that was the first question i asked myself so what what answer had you previously been told that he was everything I read about the Bible or read in the Bible or was told about the Bible and that I just believed that he's the way, the truth, and the life. He 
just the verses I think that I would repeat to myself, they became, that's what I would tell myself. I wouldn't actually process it. Like, this is actually really weird. (laughs) You know, like I would never actually process the words I was saying. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Because the, I, I, I have a difficult time processing those words as well. Mm-hmm. Bible verses like that, that turn into sort of Christian jargon. Like mantras. Yeah. 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 They don't have a lot of meaning to me. And I know people kind of like put their fists down and really claim to live by these things mm-hmm. that even as I think about them, I think I've just heard them too many times and mm-hmm. I, they just completely lost their meaning. Yeah. And I, that's where, so I would just speak it to myself. I would like write it in my journal. I was actually reading my journals the other day from high school and you could just see the struggle when I was writing, like the mental struggle that I was going through and the emotional struggle. In what way? And I was just trying to find answers. I was just trying to make peace with or find resolve with my mom's death or the boy I was crushing on that didn't like me or, you know, the depression, anxiety that I was going through. I was just trying to find an answer. So I was seeking my answers through all these verses that I would just repeat to myself. I had no idea. I was told that they would bring me peace, so that's what I did. Yeah. So there's obviously those... The, the mantras, the Bible stuff that you keep repeating. But then beyond that, I, it, it takes hold from, it, see, it takes hold of more than just kind of like these mantras that you know in your head. Mm. So what other sort of questions do you begin to ask? Like, well, I don't know. For me, a, a interesting topic is, especially with the title of this part podcast, Farming God. Mm-hmm. It's the idea of God. Mm-hmm. I chose the title because it's ridiculous, and I thought it was hilarious and presumptuous, but apparently people have some connotations that come with the word God. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you have any. <laughs> so when I originally saw that it was called Farming God, I had the assumption that you were like this deep, spiritual, phil- philosophical man. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, oh, like he is like trying to, he's either going to try and push his own religion or like invite people in. Oh, to my own, like a new religion? Not new religion. Maybe. We have a new religion. <laughs> I'm getting there. Wait till season three. <laughs> um, but you inviting people into your own, like what you think um, or your own beliefs. Um, that's what I thought. Um, and then when I started listening to it, excuse me, when I started listening to it and as I started getting to know you, I realized, I was like, oh, this is it. This is what his podcast is. What what is is it? It means, um, it's a space to process and a space to understand religion or spirituality or just our humanness. It could be about anything. Um, it's just a space. Um, it could be, the space can be filled with a bunch of different things each week. Um, it may have nothing to do with spirituality by the end of it. When you're all done and like all said and done with your podcast journey or season, it may have nothing to do with spirituality at all. 
But Kate, isn't everything spiritual? Da da. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but, but like, what, what, what is God to you? What, what? This is a crazy. This is a ridiculous question. I'm asking you to kind of go out on a limb and. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So I think God is today after everything, everything I've been through, the 28 years, minimal, I'm young. Um, I think God is everything. God is, he's everything and I don't know, that's that's it, he's everything. He's in, he or she, it, the power, the force is in everything. Um, the minimal or the lack of, like, even if it doesn't look spiritual or it doesn't look like anything, that can have the most power. Especially moving, when I moved down to Austin, I had a moment, I was at a beer garden with some friends, or some, yeah, family friends, and they give you, to identify your, or like, instead of giving you like a table number or whatever, they give you state flags. And I got Oklahoma, and I was moved to tears, which that's just me in general. I find meaning in everything, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's a sign. I don't know what the sign was, but it was a sign, and I was moved to tears. I would probably call that spiritual. Um, It was a meaning to me, and I identified with it, and it moved me, and it helped me bring comfort to myself since I had just moved here. Um, So, yeah, that's what I think God is. God is in the simple and in relationships. Oh my gosh, God's in relationships. Mm, like the space between. Oh my gosh, yeah. Meeting you out of anybody I could have met at where I work, where you used to work. It's just amazing. I never thought I would meet someone like you. <laughs> you know? Who who rants about fringe Christianity and lunch in the lunchroom? Yeah. <laughs> or who talks about the landfill next door or I don't oh, yeah. know like just the the bunny trails we would go on um like God's in that you know God's in yeah he's in he she I'm just saying he by thing default but he's in everything what do you miss about religion Ooh, that's a good question I miss the comfort of knowing that I know things. That I literally, I know nothing. The more I step outside of the bounds of religion, I realize, well, shit. Like, I absolutely do not know a thing. I think I know, but I really don't know. (laughs) Um, So I think I miss the comfort of think, like, with this perception of actually, they I thought I knew something in the church. It brought me peace. I could lay my head down at night, kind of, because I had anxiety and was really depressed, so I couldn't sleep. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I could. I had some control over my world. Yeah. Um, And now I don't. In regards to religion, in regards to how people live their lives, in regards to just how the world runs, I really don't have a lot of answers. Which also, on the flip side, brings me a lot of peace. Because now I'm like, oh, people can do... Of course, like, be nice, be kind, like, don't hurt people. But then even when people do, like, I have no control over anyone. I don't want control. 
So I also have this like strange eerie piece of like, it's okay if I don't know anything. Um, and then another thing I miss about religion is community. Yeah. You know, like I, I was just talking to my dad and I was telling him how, and I was just talking to, uh, Caroline and Andrew at lunch, how like lonely it is being, I think I'll probably get a lot of young adults feel this way of being lonely. And I think I, I miss that. And then on the flip side, I don't miss it because <laughs> yeah. the, on the authenticity that I have in my life right now is so it's real. I do what I want. I go where I want. I'm honest I'm not having to play any games or the games I used to play, I think, with people. Um, so, yeah, does I answer your question? Yeah, I think that you being able to feel loneliness is unique because I can go to a bar on a Friday and see a lot of lonely people mm-hmm. who don't necessarily know that they're lonely. Mm-hmm. So having that... I don't know wherewithal to recognize. I mean, I guess humans innately is just we have this loneliness that comes with being us. Mm-hmm. We're always separate from everyone else. Mm-hmm. We'll never look into our own eyes. I wish we could. <laughs> How crazy is that? <laughs> <laughs> and what you uh, what what you're saying about the certainty? C.S. Lewis said it in Mere Christianity. What the, did he say? The Pope recently said it. Something mm-hmm. about calling for Christian or Catholics, I guess, to be less certain, mm-hmm. uh, be a little more, uh, I think meager was the mm-hmm. word. Or, uh, Curious? No, like, uh, like meager, like smaller. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember the exact translation that it was, but it was exactly kind of what you're saying, is that you can fall into the dualistic sides that my side is the right way Mm -hmm. and that side is the wrong way. And it's super easy to think that way. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was just talking about when I was in high school and we would, uh, before football games, the captains would get up and do like three or four speeches, one the night before one, the day before one, the day of the game, then like halftime of that game and before that game and like before warmups of that game. Mm-hmm. So there was like four speeches and the speeches that we'd give, I was kind of recalling some of them and they were just vulgar <laughs> hatred towards the town that lives 10 miles east of you. Mm-hmm. And the things that we, I, at least I would make up, I'd make up like a new story every week of why we hate that town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was so easy. I, it could get me fired up so quickly. Mm-hmm. And the whole team, I could see them nodding. I'd be swearing like, yeah. like those effing guys. They, they think they're tough. They're a bunch of trash. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> and it's easy to think that way. Mm-hmm. But then like when we stop, we're left with this, blank canvas of Mm -hmm. not really knowing what Mm -hmm. to point (laughs) there's no oh me i'm the problem oh (laughs) (laughs) so that kind of like leaves us like where what happens now What, what do we do I don't want you i want like speak like speak for yourself where do you see yourself going on this journey of dismantling so as i mentioned earlier there are times when i like miss 
religion or I wake up and I'm praying or I wake up and I'm praying in tongues or something like so there are still days when I'm wondering if like God still has a purpose for me or if I've like walked off the cliff and I'm never returning you know I still have these like subconscious thoughts or these tapes that I play in my head and when I'm actually in my own like safest space and I'm allowing myself to be honest with myself or if I'm with like my closest friends that love me for me I'm like oh the sky's the limit like I I don't know where I'll be in 10 20 50 years and that's okay in regards to what I believe or don't believe um I think the biggest thing like where I want to go is to continue to some I'm gonna tell a story real quick people used to tell me growing up and even still today Kristen tells me all the time how hard I am on myself Again, like I've always had this obsession with no making sure I'm going to heaven or like making sure. Who's Kristen? Kristen's my girlfriend. Um, So she always tells me I'm too hard on myself. You need to relax. Like you're okay. You're just 28. (laughs) You're not going to have like all your ducks in a row right now and you'll never have your ducks in a row and that's okay. Um, But in regards to my profession, um, what I believe Um, my identity, my sexuality, like everything. Um, It's all okay. And you don't have to have it figured out. So I think continuing to carry that with me throughout my life, like having grace for myself and allowing myself to be whoever whoever I want to be. So if I wake up one day and want to be something else, then I'll be that. And that's okay. Yeah. And you're up to kind of creative stuff. It's not just that you kind of like are banging on your forehead all day about this childhood of Catholicism. I used you, to, but not anymore. <laughs> okay, well, not anymore. Let's move past it. <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> what? So, I'd I'd like to actually know because we haven't had enough time to talk about it. This mm-hmm. eclectic modern modern eclectic. Modern eclectic, modern eclectic, which is now dissolved. Really? Yeah. So I, moving to Texas, I learned that Oklahoma and Texas do their businesses differently, uh-huh. um, and their taxes and all that stuff. So I just didn't. It wasn't worth it to me to like put everything, um, or put my creativity through that rigorous process at this point. Um, so I dissolved it, and now I'm. I mean, I just bought a lens the other day, so I'm still like moving towards my creativity. Um, taking pictures, painting. I started, I picked up watercolor again. Nice. I haven't done it in so long. So I like painted like five new things the other night, which was so much fun. Um, and writing, picking, still picking up my blog. Um, so I'm doing just a bunch of different stuff with no pressure. I think being our age, it's, you have to have a business, you have to have like your branding, blah, 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 all that stuff. And I just got really exhausted of doing it. Um, So I'm managing all that. I'm funneling all that stuff really through my Instagram. Um, But there's a lot. Like, I'll post whatever I want to post. Which is what? Don't be shy. Give it a shout out. Shout out. My Instagram's Kate Johnson. K-A-Y-T Johnson. Nice. Yeah. 
So th- th- I, th- I don't know if this is causation or correlation, but the people who I end up talking about spirituality with 90% of the time have some sort of creative side gig. Mm-hmm. I think this thinking about this stuff and I'm not just kind of boosting myself up, but it's the people that I tend to be attracted to and hang out with, spend time with are people who are thinking about these questions and also tend to be kind of venturing into the unknown Mm -hmm. in a different field. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything to say about why that... Do you see that at all? Or am I just kind of having a narrow view on things? No, I I would agree. I would agree. So if Kristen came in here right now, she probably wouldn't talk to you about all this stuff. She would probably have a few walls up. And she's a creative person, like yeah. in her own way, but it's just different. You know, it's not like creative in this way. Um, but I'm going. This guy popped in my head. Um, his, I think I told you his podcast. Um, he's an English man. I don't know if he passed away or not, but his podcast popped into my head because he talks about like creative people and like being human and always seeking something. And I think that's something in regards to being creative, like creative, however you want to identify that. Spiritually, too, like we're always seeking something. And so I think it's, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I think there's definitely truth to it. Um, And then now we have, we have things at our fingertips in regards to, like, if I want to be a photographer, I can go out and get a camera and learn. If I want to start a blog, I can build a website and that's it if I want to paint I can go to Hobby Lobby or Michael's and get anything I want um if I want to be a person who does if I want to be a podcaster I don't know what you call them I don't know what you call yourself you need 25 dollars to begin (laughs) exactly like I would say like the risk is really low um in your shoes it's not for the leap you're taking and say like it's not like i'm somebody it's not like i'm just gonna die no no i'm saying like you know like it's a leap to uh we're going on a bunny trail right now but it's a leap to do what you're doing um it's a leap for me to move from oklahoma to austin and pursue like these creative ventures like step out of the nonprofit world and be where i am today um there's vulnerability to it um and it's scary um, but in regards to like risk, like at the end of the day, like compared to where our parents were, where my dad is, like there was a lot of risk back in the day. Like you didn't just drop whatever and do something else. That's uh, even if you were spiritual or not. Yeah, you know? I get. Yeah, maybe I'm trying to like I'm trying to pull a pair between two things that mm-hmm. are just kind of a correlation thing that I'm seeing. But so like where where do we go with? this you, do you see our generation using the tools that we have at on hand um to do something with them uh i i'm, I'm almost against using the word millennials there's been so much uh social media kind of backlash there was a period a couple months ago when everyone was just dogging on millennials mm-hmm. for this and that and that i'm i have a feeling that this generation is grossly underestimated and that yeah. there may be some certain peculiarities that older, especially the boomers aren't 
comfortable or with recognizing and, or they may be seeing it but and, yeah and they just might not be comfortable with it yeah and i'm confident that something is gonna happen that people aren't going to be satisfied with falling into the footsteps of some sort of obedient life mm-hmm. of just kind of trudging away in something you don't really want to be doing yeah, because no. there's so many opportunities to do to be able to follow your bliss yeah no i completely agree so i want to make a comment about um like the boomers or like my parents um so in regards to generations this is one thing i learned in the church but i think this is really valid um i'm sure there's a lot of research and studies out there which i know of done um but when you have a generation that goes from one pendulum and then you have our parents going to another one, to another side. And then you have us. I don't, I wouldn't consider myself a millennial. When were you born? 90. I was born in 89. Yeah, am you're, I, you're am I a millennial? You're dead in the center. What? You're the very <laughs> middle. Are you serious? Oh what do you, what do you think you are? I thought it was like the 90s and 2000s. I thought that was the millennials. No, it's, I think it's like down to 85 or something. Oh, crap. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> dang it okay anyways so you have my parents on the other side of the pendulum and then you have me and i'm trying to bring resolve to all these different sides that my within my family the generations that have come through not being like super strict or not being like over possessive or whatever our traits are in our families and i think the millennials they're trying to i think as a generation in humanity it naturally, we're, um, what is it called when you're adapting? I think the, the millennials are adapting to what has been done in the past. And we're trying to um, bring balance hmm. to what's been done. So, And I think it's hilarious. All the stuff that's said about millennials is totally true. But there's a reason for it. We're not, we didn't just wake up one day and be like, I'm going to be offended at everything you say. <laughs> or I'm going to pave my own path and I'm not going to get a job because I'm going to do the, my dream job. There's a reason why we're saying it. Like, we're not just like being stubborn and yeah. dumb. Yeah. Like, it came from somewhere. It's because our parents couldn't do it. Yeah. Because of all the things that have happened within nationwide and around the world, things that were happening at the time. And now we can do it. And then the millennials' kids, whatever they'll be called, we'll be saying the same thing about them. <laughs> you know? Someone. Someone said that your grandpa is a soldier, so your father can be a farmer, so you can be an artist. Yeah. And it's kind of cool if you can think of it that mm-hmm. way. Like, thanks, grandpa and mm-hmm. dad and mom and grandma. Well, even thinking like my dad, knowing him, like he had his own business, then it went under, and then he just slaved away at work for years and now he's in his 60s and now he's going back to the idea of creativity and like what he can do with his time Mm -hmm. and i'm starting out at that and i'm 28 and like i'm not wasting my time just to earn a buck like i'm gonna work towards something yeah even if i have to be an assistant to someone for a time that's fine but i'm gonna continue working towards something um and then Um, 
with my music cue music (laughs) with my so my mom died when I was in high school I wish I could ask her like what she was interested in that she never got to do because she got pregnant married when she was 20 or 21 and then she went to college then dropped out and then she worked like 60 hours a week she had no time to do anything you know Um, and then plus being a full-time full-time mom you know she couldn't do any of these things that I get to do so yeah I don't know where I'd think about my parents all the time like they did what they did and I learned from that and I don't want to do that yeah and um, we've seen the idea of at least when I go to national parks and uh, I kind of go deep into the woods or to the desert or to the river and kind of emerge a little scrappy and all mm-hmm. bird up and stuff. And I come up to the top of the hill and there's the tour bus of blue hares who get out and do maybe a eighth of a mile loop kind of go see like the main lookout spot mm-hmm. go back to the air conditioning bus and take off mm-hmm. it's like oh man i want to keep enjoying this now mm-hmm. like while you can too right yeah that's one thing i'm about to move i don't know if you knew this hmm. moving to denver when uh within the next six to eight months ish <laughs> i'm not sure so our lease is up in september um Kristen will be up there and I'm just looking for a job. Whoa. So one of the things I've been wrestling with is like, I like being an Aquarius. I like my creative space. I like my like being adventurous, free spirit, but I also like my control, I think, in my uh, stable environment. Like I just moved to Austin a year ago. Like I love my stable environment that I've created. And then I was in yoga last night. Uh, It's hilarious all the words I'm saying right now. I am in Austin now. I can tell. (laughs) So I was... I moved once and then went to yoga. And and then then I found out I was an Aquarius. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh my gosh. So last night, this amazing instructor named Jeff, shout out Jeff, you're awesome. He was saying, um, basically like pushing yourself. Like, if you see fear in front of you, then you're not going to do it. Or if you're afraid of something, of course you're going to back away. But he was saying, like, yield into that. Like, see what happens when you yield to it. Or, like, lean into it. And so I had that thought about Denver, like, all my fears about it. And then I thought, I'm 28. What? I don't want to be here for another 20 years and wish I would have moved. Like, my whole family's from Denver. I've never lived in Colorado for an extended amount of time. Mm. If I don't like it, so what? I move. But in regards to the whole, like, experiencing something. And I'm not going to be able to do this forever. I have two legs. I have two arms with functioning hands. <laughs> you know, like, I can do it. So there's no reason not to do it is what I'm saying. So we we hit on this kind of like the spirit spirituality change of um, you and uh, kind of projected out onto others our age and older and younger. And then mm-hmm. the, like this, we're kind of coming to this transient thing. Like I'm from Minnesota. I live down here in Texas. Mm-hmm. You're from Oklahoma. You live in Texas. Then you're going to live in Denver. Mm-hmm. It's like... As the nuclear family becomes not 
the structure that used to. is is no longer like the familiar structure what what happens it's like it's just kind of in this blank space mm-hmm. it seems like everything is being deconstructed <laughs> like if, yeah, if that's the definitely. word of the times completely or even how we identify as like what is community what is even having structure like what structure to me what i can build it wherever i go um down to being transient like there's one thing i i'm coming up against in my head is i want to be the stable person that has all these things on their resume that i've been doing this one job for five or ten years but then when it actually comes down to it i don't want that at all yeah i want to move yeah. But then I'm afraid it's going to look bad. Yeah. So deconstructing those own, th- like my own thoughts on that, you know, and how we identify, what we identify as um, success. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tricky one. Even down to familial thing, you know, ties or connections or how we identify, what we identify as like community or people close to us. Yeah. I think. Everything has to just do with this pendulum swinging on back. Mm, like a spectrum. Yeah. yeah. And you're a nice dead weight at the bottom of that mm-hmm. pendulum helping oh, bring it back. That's such a good picture. <laughs> Ray, I love that. Is there anything else you'd like to say? <laughs> um, on what we just talked about or in general? Just in general. Um, I don't think so. No. This is nice. Yeah. Yeah. We had some nice avant-garde experimental music next door, too. Yeah. You're going to have to take that with you. (laughs) I do. And everyone gets to enjoy it with us. Like a trash can. Trash can lid. (laughs) Thanks, Kate. Thanks for listening. For more on deconstruction, check out that article that I linked to in the show notes or on farminggod.org. If you rate the show on iTunes or Stitcher, it helps more people find it and allows me to keep making the big bucks that I do. Thanks.